Welcome to the Lebo Lion Show, the biggest marketing and business podcast on the African continent. This is a learning hub where we share marketing, social media, and monetization resources that entrepreneurs, professionals, and creatives need to build the lives and businesses of their dreams. We do this through masterclasses and conversations with experts and thought leaders in various industries. On this podcast, we believe that your mindset is the most powerful tool you have to succeed. Come on a journey with us. Let's explore the world of business, money, and mindset from a growth perspective. Are you ready to go? Because 2023 has started and it's about to become the best year of your life. My name is Lebo Lion, the voice of marketing, yeah. and I will be your host for the Lebo Lion Show. Let's go. Yeah. Can let me teach you a lesson? Can let me teach you a lesson? Lebo Lion with the tweets. Follow me back to my nest. Lebo Lion with the podcast. Teach you lesson because I got class. Lebo Lion with the impact. You be lying, that's a real fact. Come let me teach you a lesson. Can let me teach you a lesson? Lebo Lion with the Hi, Lion Tribe. Welcome to the Lebo Lion Show. I'm your host, Lebo Lion, known as the voice of marketing for many reasons that you'll discover on our journey or in our journey on YouTube. So today is officially the first day of the first episode of season five please round of applause for me i'm so proud of myself i'm proud of everybody thank you for coming we're going to have fun today and we're going to talk about a topic that is yeah it's a movie it's a netflix documentary what's the making it's just it's a lot but before we do that let's do the right things uh let's pay the bills so we're going to follow me at labelline underscore sa on all social media platforms or at the label lion show under no underscore at the label lion show so you can follow me at label lion underscore sa or at the label lion show don't forget to like share subscribe do all the right things and comment i want to know what you guys are thinking and let's be kind to one another please this is a community we all love each other because we're all people and we don't have to be mean to each other to get our points across this is not other podcasts wink wink (laughs) sprinkle sprinkle (laughs) if you know what I'm talking about. So we're going to be kind to each other and really think before we text, think before we comment. I think that's very important. So what's on the agenda for today? As you can see, my beautiful loud lion t-shirt is screaming at you guys on the screen, just like this topic we're about to discuss. It's loud. The whole country is talking about it. There's no way around it. We have to talk about it. I've been talking about it on TikTok. It's inevitable. We have to cover the story. Dr. Nandipa and Tabo Besta. Guys, what is happening in South Africa? Is there something in the water? When did we become this country with stories like this? I remember when I was a kid, I'd only hear about things like this from like the States. You know, and I would think, oh my gosh, those people are so strange. I don't know how they live these kinds of lives. Now, 20 years later, and it's happening in South Africa on a daily basis. What is happening with Dr. Nandipa and Tabo Besta? It's a movie. It's a series. It's a documentary. It's everything put in one. And I think it's important for us to discuss it because it is part of our times. And I love to talk about pop culture because of the fact that it's culture. And marketers are the creators, curators, and the custodians of culture. So if we can't talk about culture, then I don't know who can because we're the ones creating it. We're the ones documenting it. We're the ones writing about it. We're the ones ingraining it into corporate strategies, into the copy and the advertise advertisements that you see. So it's important for us to be able to talk about pop culture, and that's why I do so. So let's talk about Dr. Nandipa and Tabo Besta. For those of you who don't know, and I don't know who wouldn't know at this point, but let's do a young refresh. So there's a lady, she's a doctor and an influencer, very well known, has many followers. Her name is Dr. Nandipa. And a man called Tabo Besta, who also called himself Tabo Motsipe and many other names, who was um, moonlighting as a CEO of an international company that has international uh, sponsors and partners, etc. Now, this is why the story is actually such a big deal, right? Dr. Nadipa and Tabo Vesta were dating. 
And the reason why this story is so big is because Tabo Besta, it turns out, was actually an inmate. So he's somebody who's actually in prison. And at the time that he was in prison, he was pretending to be running this company. Actually, let me not say pretending because he was actually running it. The company was actually making money, right? So he was an inmate running a company that was making millions of rands in his jail cell. And all of this came out because somebody saw Dr. Nandipa and Tabo Besta at a Woolworths shopping. And she took a picture, or he took a picture of them shopping at the Woolworths and sent it to a publication called Ground Up, which I think is a um, NGO, non-profit media house that kind of shares breaking news with the public. So this person sent the picture and said, isn't this Tabo Besta, the guy who's been known uh, or who was jailed for raping women and luring them in and drugging them and that kind of thing, right? And so Ground Up did the investigation and that's how we land here with Tabo Besta and Dr. Nandipa being in prison and them going on court cases and everything being revealed. So the crazy thing is that Tabo Besta went to jail because he was raping women and uh, seducing them with lies and, you know, stealing their phones, etc. And then he got caught, was sentenced to, I think, 50 years in prison. And he went to Mangawu. Wonderful. Somewhere in between that, he met influencer and doctor, Dr. Nandipa Makuduma. And I think it's her name, Dr. Nandipa Makuduma or Makudumana. Makudumane, Dr. Nandipa Makudumane. They met and she started visiting him in prison. Put all the puzzles together. Now they're together. She's living in a beautiful house in Hyde Park. Someone's buying her a Range Rover. Someone's buying her some other fancy car. She's living a beautiful life, right? And she's opening other businesses other than her aesthetic clinic. She's opening a property company. She's opening other things and getting people to invest. Whilst all of that is happening, Tabo Besta is opening this big media company in prison. He's hosting, okay, media launches for his, for his company um, in Santon and appearing via Zoom and acting like he's overseas and, and that's why he can't appear physically, right? And there are actually very funny videos online where people are showing all these celebrities and high-profile people who attended these launches and saying happy birthday for him. I mean, it's a mess that they believed him, right? And a lot of people are saying the reason why so many people believed Dr. Nandi Pantabo Besta is because of pretty privilege. And the fact that they were showing what people like to think looks like success. So she was pretty. She had the aesthetic clinic. She was driving the fancy car. She was living in a beautiful house. All of those things are indicators of success and they make people trust you more. So when you look at them, you're going, this person obviously wouldn't scam me. She's got a Range Rover. She lives in Hyde Park. If she opens a property company, I can obviously trust her. Look at her. All her friends are celebrities. She gets invited to all these events. Brands are sponsoring her. How can this person be fake? But turns out that person is fake. So Dr. Nandipa and Tabo Besta have allegedly stolen a lot of money from people by pretending to offer services and things that they don't actually offer. And a lot of people have lost money from the different companies and scams that those two were running. Dr. Nandipa and Tabo Besta were eventually apprehended in Tanzania with fake IDs on them. And I think Dr. Pashi's ID was one of the IDs that they had on them. That's another story altogether. But the crazy thing about them being apprehended in Tanzania is that they asked to be flown back in a private jet. Yeah, my phone just because it's also surprised <laughs> like it makes no sense you're this criminal everyone's looking for you you're supposedly very dangerous but you're being flown back <laughs> in a private jet there's so many questions about this whole Tabo Besta and Dr. Nandipa case and I think the biggest narrative that's running through this case is are people in government and in high-powered positions colluding with these people? Are they involved in the, in the fact that Tabo Besta was able to open a company within prison, that he's able to request private jets, that he's, he, it seems like he's being protected because there isn't really enough outrage from our leaders. There isn't really enough being said, even from G4S, the company that, uh, the private security company that does protect and run Mangaum, they're not saying anything really. You know, they were being questioned in... Um, 
the what, what's it called that whole inquiry yeah the, the inquiry that they were having they were being questioned the ceo of g4s uh ground force secure code that's what it stands for and they basically they're a private company from london actually and they listed as well and their job is to not only protect the society from inmates but to actually protect our money from being stolen guys these people are responsible for very important things our money and our safety and this company that's been doing this for so long was not able to see that one man escaped their prison. It just seems highly unlikely. So the stories really do point to the idea that there is collusion. I mean, there was even a guy who died in the fire that Tabo Besta apparently um, ran away from when he left Mangaung prison because that's how he escaped, right? Apparently there was a fire. Obviously it turns out now that there is no fire. And actually what happened was there were cameras around the prison. The cameras where Tabo Besta was locked up, they went off, but in the rest of the prison, they stayed on. And so they're asking G4S how that happened. Why did the cameras only go off in one area? And in the supposed fire, the guy, they, apparently they found a body, right? A dead body. And it turns out, obviously, that it's not Tabo Besta. And before, it was said that it was Tabo Besta's body. And now it turns out it's someone else's body. And they didn't die from the fire. They, they died from an injury to the head. So it means somebody killed that person. And now that person's father is coming forward. And he's showing, you know, sadness. And he's saying that Dr. Nandipa and Tabo Besta have to repent. But there's just so much happening in this case. Did G4S collude with whoever sponsoring Tabo Besta? Is Tabo Besta the real criminal or is he a front for the real criminals? Are the real criminals in parliament? Are they our leaders? Are they CEOs of companies? And what kind of evidence and information does he have about them that's making them protect him so much? What does he have on them? Because this is big now. This is an international case. The whole world is watching us and they're watching how we handle the Tabo Besta situation. So for me, it's really interesting to see how our leaders are, are not outspoken about this case. And in other countries where the leadership is accountable, they would have said something already about what is happening because it says a lot about our national security. It says a lot about how safe our money is, how safe our people are. And actually the kinds of business deals that are that are being had and how they're being had and with who in our country. So this affects uh, international investments. It affects local business people, you know, because if the country has bad PR, we all suffer from that. We don't get international people coming in. It affects tourism and travel. It affects so many things. I don't think a lot of people are aware of how many things are actually affected by having such a big reckless scandal out in the open and originating from our country so i think it's cool that a lot of us are talking about it and we want to know and there's so many marketing elements to this case that we can learn from the first one obviously being privilege right pretty privilege the way things look matter i don't care who says what of the seven p's of marketing packaging is one of the most important how does something look at face value and what does it say about you some people even say that if a product's packaging is that good, they don't have to explain to the customer why they need to be bought. And that packaging can actually be one of the key drivers of mass sales, right? And I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of brands that have done that. I can't think of them right now off the bat, but packaging is very important. More than anything, especially with people, how you look informs how much people can trust you. If I was Label Lion coming here with crazy hair, I guess I haven't bathed, you know, I'm wearing tattered clothing and I said to you, I'm a successful entrepreneur, would you believe me? And those are the kinds of questions you need to ask yourself when you're creating your business brand. What does it look like? Do people believe me when I say I'm, I am this thing? And if they don't, why don't they? What is it about how we look that creates doubt in a person's mind? Because once there's doubt in a customer's mind, there's no trust. I always say that an entrepreneur's job and a marketer's job is to remove doubt from the equation. When there's no doubt, there's trust, which means there are easier sales. You can get someone to click, to buy, to do anything you want them to do because there's no doubt. How did Dr. Nandipa further reinforce her packaging? She had famous friends. I mean, if your friends are judges, influencers, celebrities, important people, why would you be a scammer? 
You know, that's the, that's the question that goes on in the average consumer's mind. Obviously, you wouldn't be a scammer, so we can trust you. Oh my goodness, and she's so rich, so she had location on her side. We call that place in marketing. She was living in Hyde Park. Her clinic was in Santon. She had high-profile clients. All those places, those indicators say, oh, of course, this person is credible. She's living where credible people live. She's living where successful people live. This is somebody to admire. And then she also had social validation. So things like her being interviewed on the MACG podcast, her being interviewed on television shows, all of those things create the credibility and the social validation that makes somebody not question her identity or what she's having to offer. And I think one of the biggest things that people don't talk about is that she never had big opinions about anything. All she ever spoke about was medicine. And that was it. So whenever somebody doesn't provoke, doesn't really speak about what seems to be true to them, authentic to them, and they're just speaking, you know, in a straight line, you have to know that either A, they're very scripted, or B, they're being very careful about what they're saying to you for a reason. Because if somebody's telling you their full truth, they just speak. But if somebody is trying to uh, manage the narrative around them, in a, in a way that's overly controlled, then there's something wrong with that. And you guys need to start to be on the lookout for that. If somebody doesn't look obviously well-spoken and you can see that the way they're speaking is too managed, then you know something is wrong. And as you guys know, I have this lovely crew with me as I shoot. So I'm going to obviously let them tell me what they think, share some questions that you guys might also be having. Let's have a conversation. So guys, what do you think of this Dr. Nandi Pantawa Besta Netflix documentary? I'm just hoping that uh, Tabo Besta especially yeah. needs to stay alive. We need to protect Tabo Besta. Oh my goodness, why? Because there are probably a lot of um, entrenched interests yeah. in him being discarded. Huh. Right? But if he's discarded, we won't know who are the people because it's systematic, right? Mm. For him to get out of prison, for him to have a laptop in prison, for him to have suits in prison, for him to organize a whole event that we spoke about earlier yeah. on, to have a property company, to have a media company, all yeah. of that stuff. There's machinery in place. He wasn't doing mm. it himself. Yeah. There were collaborators, he had PAs, he had mm. people signing off on you know, all of this stuff. Who okayed him to? Who gave the call for him to be moved in the prison yes. you know all of those questions right and i would argue because there's a lot of people speculating that there's even ministers at the highest level yeah. that are involved that were giving sign-offs to some of these things right um i've heard a private investigator saying that apparently um it was like uh a, a well-known secret you know in the prison that tabo could go and come Imagine there was a well-known secret that he, he could come and go out of prison. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Guys, man, what country are we living in I again? Mean, where where the man would fly to Cape Town to out. go do a business deal and come back. There you go. So apparently, Tabo could fly in and out of of Joburg to go do business deals and come back to prison. Yeah. In Bloemfontein. Wow. The, the it's in Bloemfontein, the yeah, prison, Mangaung eh? Is Mangaung, yeah. Mangaung is in Bloemfontein. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for for the man to live stream. Uh, at, an, at this event, this whole celebrity event, for him to live stream in jail and people wishing him a happy birthday. He like, as you said, we see these things in movies. How is this possible that he has data at night? Yes. Whereas all the prisoners' laptops are locked up because they are for study. But he has his personal laptop. And he has a suit. And he has nice. a suit on. <laughs> and his hair is done. Yes. Also, it's quiet. Yeah, and it's right? quiet. It's quiet. Yeah, yeah. Like he was not quiet. <laughs> room to conduct himself, to make his speech, his presentation yeah. in front of the people. So, guys. So, Tabo Besta was the VIP of the prison system. Hey, and He's I mean, the VIP yeah. prisoner of 2023. Hey, there are other, like, <laughs> that's, that's when, when this media journalist went to go interview other inmates, like, no, we know, as it, like, it was an open secret, he doesn't even eat the food. That we wow, that we were eat eating, the food that the and it's funny now eat. that because he's now requesting that his lawyers or his legal counsel must be the one who feeds him because he thinks people in jail will uh, poison him. So it wouldn't be a difficult thing, I guess. For so what the guys are saying is protect our best at all costs because we need him to tell us what happened and who's involved he's the one who's got the the actual information about every single piece of this <laughs> netflix documentary and then jacob is also saying that it's very well known 
public private information that he was a VIP in the prison. Like he didn't eat the food that the prisoners had. He could fly in and out. Uh, you know, he could request what he wanted. He was very separate from the other regular inmates and it was a well-known thing. And I think for me, that's just scary. Like, we can keep watching the case. We should. But for me, it's... This late, they killed somebody. Murder. <laughs> Privilege in prison. How safe are prisons if so many things can move in and out of prisons and nobody says anything about it? And he's supposed to be in maximum. And he's in the maximum security prison. If that's South Africa's maximum security prison... I don't know what you're going to need to do for your life, but I don't know if we can trust our police system or our justice system. You know, if, if he's that heavily connected, will his case even be fair? Is it going to be a real, legitimate, honest case? Or will somebody fly in and do the right things and then it's just going to be another, you know, case that just happened? Someone else is saying that we're using the Tabo Besta case to distract people from stage 8 load shedding. Right, because they're saying this is actually a bigger deal than the Tabo Besta case, right? What's happening with load shedding? I've heard many theories about load shedding and how many cartels are running and you know, people want stakes and this and this and that's why there's load shedding. It's not because there's actually no coal or whatever. Um and I don't wanna go into that because it's too much of a sensitive topic. But I will say that our country is in a very bad position in my in my perspective, because electricity helps us run industry <laughs> everything we do needs electricity and the more of a tech-driven world we live in the more we need electricity for everything data wi-fi you know uh, we're shooting this podcast we've got a mic we've got lights everything needs electricity i mean there's some people printing companies i didn't even know that when you print something you have to almost schedule it in the machine and the electricity can't stop whilst you're printing otherwise you have to redo the entire thing but that one process costs so much money. How are businesses surviving when there's stage eight load shedding, but there are prison mates who can go in and out, fly around, have media companies. Have a 150,000 hotel bill. Have a 150,000 rand hotel bill, buy their girlfriends, Range Rovers and Porsches, have houses in Hyde Park. What is going on? And where is the money coming from? Yeah, you know? I mean, sorry, it was yeah. reported that they have a like he, i think he said that they froze and like his estate rather is worth around two billion and then the estate is worth two billion around uh, around, around that figure, two billion right and the home office says this man doesn't have an id oh yes i saw that they said he doesn't have an id and uh Saudi Mut it's in Saudi. the uh aaron lamola aaron lamola Aaron. Lamula? aaron, yeah, aaron. aaron. Aaron was saying that um, Tabo Besta was born in uh, 1874 or something like that. Like something <laughs> random. There's an actual clip. I, I'm, maybe we'll find it and yeah. share it with you guys. But there's an actual clip where they talk about that. I just think for me, it's just scary. And the fact that this guy first went to prison for apparently... I won't say allegedly or apparently because he went for pr to prison for it. And I'm saying the reason why I wanted to say allegedly is because now if he's covering for people, maybe he was not the one who raped the people. You know, maybe there was someone else he was covering up for because there is that conspiracy theory as well that he went to jail for somebody else's children or whoever who were doing the raping. Um, and that's why he's getting some of the special treatment that he's getting. So, yes, if he went to jail for raping women and this is how he's being treated, it also says so much about like our stance on gender based violence. All of these things are called to question in this one case, you know. This man sounds scary to me. I've heard some voice notes where he's shouting at Dr. Nandipa and they're scary AF. Like, they're very scary. So, for me, it's how do we take these kinds of things? Uh, the Tower Bester situation, anything that trends. Why do people like Label Lion talk about it? Because there's so much to learn from a business perspective and a marketing perspective from it. If you're a business person, guys, take notes. When you're watching uh, court cases proceed and you see how the lawyers are behaving and how crowds react to them, that's media training for you. You can actually look at how people react to things and say, when I do media interviews, I should do it like this because this is how people tend to react when you say certain things. So never ever look at things at face value. There's always a, a lesson to learn from those things. Even for me as a marketer, some of my strategies, I revise them.
when I'm watching something like Dr. Nandipa's case and I'm like, oh, she influenced like this and this and this. Oh, so this is what it looks like. Let me change our influencer marketing strategy so we can do X, Y, Z. Not con people, but what are the lessons you can learn? How do you reinforce trust? Clearly, she did it well because people believed her. So yes, she was a criminal, but she still did it well. So what are the lessons on creating trust online with your personal brand? Can we learn from this? Yeah. I think for me, um, the two big points, one is... Uh, uh, what you call this comment on the whole thing and second is the business lesson mm. so first on the comment is as much as people talk about oh it's a distraction it's a distraction so long as you mm. are distracted, are distracted yes. Yes. right <laughs> yeah but um if you were to really look at it critically you can see that you can extrapolate right it's mm. it's a microcosm that shows you that if a person who's meant to be in a maximum security prison in South Africa can get away with so much, yeah. imagine what um, an organized syndicate looks like in, the, in, an ex, in an electricity supply chain, mm -hmm. where there is an incentive to... Because right now, one of the things... I'm an economist, so that's how I always look at things. There's an incentive structure in place. Someone is benefiting from the fact that our lights go off for yes. up to 11 and a half hours a day. Exactly. There are people making money off of the fact yep. that there isn't a constant supply of electricity. Yes. As much as everyone else is suffering in the economy, um, I think <laughs> the, 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 the saying, I love the African proverb, which says that... Um, where elephants fight is the grass that suffers. Yes. Right? Because, yes. you know, they're playing their game up there, but it's affecting the people the down people. Uh, It's affecting the little people mm. down here. So you can take, you know, um, what happening, what's happening with Tabo Besta to show what can influence corruption and money do for you in this economy. Yes. And you're not surprised then when we have um, these, some situations. These, these situations around things like load shedding and then the second piece around the i just i just want to uh summarize what mudiwa was saying but he was saying if you are going to be distracted by the dr nandipa and tower best cases because you're choosing to be distracted when there are so many things you can learn from it and then he used the analogy of or the african proverb that says when africans when africans the african proverb that says when elephants are fighting it's the grass that suffers you know so no matter the reason that people are actually switching off our lights or tower best was able to escape us, the citizens, the small people are the ones who suffer the most from these things. So we need to learn. And yeah, this is so funny, but I don't think people understand that you have all the power in your hands to decide who you become in society, right? You see some of us working tirelessly every single day. We're trying to build these brands. It's not for, for small reasons. It's because the higher you climb in society, the more privilege you have. And you don't have to be the grass that suffers under the lions <laughs> uh, fighting. I mean, the, the elephants fighting, you know. So you need to make sure that you're constantly building a life that protects you from these kinds of things. And constantly working and constantly building and doing all of those things actually helps you just have a little bit more privilege than the average human being would have. And protect yourself just a little bit more. So don't take these things lightly. Yeah. And then the second piece is just around, um, I don't know whether to call it brand building or mm -hmm. selling the dream. Yes. Because a lot of the time in investments, people usually invest in a person, not necessarily the business that they're in, right? Thank you. So I think the founder of WeWork, uh, Adam, Adam Newman, is a good example of what i'm talking about yep. right despite the disaster that happened with WeWork, mm -hmm. you have some of the biggest venture capital firms that are now backing him for the new company that he's now tried to do and you ask yourself but he How? missed that he missed yes. this thing up from 45 <laughs> billion dollars down did. to like nothing to nothing right but somehow he's been able to convince people. And um, I was thinking about it because people have been talking about it quite a lot with what's going on right now with the crypto guys, yes. FTX, etc. To say, guys, confidence is confidence is taking people to another level. Yep. The confidence that crypto bros have in is terms heavy. Of, is heavy. Yes. And people believe in that dream so much so that they're willing to fork over money. Mm -hmm. And I think 
once again relating it back to Tabo Besta, the confidence he had, he has, yeah. And I actually say the confidence he has to this day. Yes, <laughs> he has a lot of confidence. He has a Tabo lot of confidence. No, no, that is a confident man. Yeah, probably bordering on delusional and all yes. that, but that level of confidence is clearly allowing him to get people to believe you know in him and you know his dreams and starting two businesses in jail and you know all that stuff how do you you know so so mudia was saying that um confidence is such a big thing when it comes to getting people to believe you getting people to buy into what you have to sell and then he used the example of the crypto guys and the forex guys like they're so confident they sell the dream so confidently that people are happy to just give them their money you know so have the confidence that's a lesson to learn but what i loved about what mudiwa was saying was that people invest in people they don't invest in businesses and then he used the example of the WeWork guy. For those of you who don't know what WeWork is, they're a co-working space and office space brand globally, right? And I mean, he sold the dream to investors. They bought into it, gave him billions and billions of dollars. But the entire concept concept actually fell on its on its face. So WeWork is not a profitable idea. A lot of people lost a lot of money in WeWork. But now the same guy, the founder of WeWork or the concept is getting funding from other investors to do other things, right? So they still believe in him and we don't understand why because his other venture really didn't work. Like WeWork was an epic fail. Epic fail. Please go and Google that thing. WeWork. It's an epic fail. And so we're saying that because people don't invest in companies and they invest in brands, be careful of how you're engaging with the markets. Understand what's being sold to you and really interrogate it and, and let, remove all of the fluffy stuff. Remove that the person looks nice. Remove that you're in Santon. I know it's hard for many people to do. But you have to decide. You're not a victim to this life. You you choose how you want to be engaged with. You choose how you're going to take anything that's given to you. You can ask questions. You can do anything that you want to do. But I've always said to people, and because marketing is a lot about psychology, if I see someone with a fancy car and I choose to believe that they're credible in the, what they do, it's because I and myself have an innate sense of lacking that is fulfilled by seeing somebody drive a fancy car. So a lot of the time you'll find that if somebody's always dreamed of having a Bentley and they see someone with a Bentley, you're anything the person with the Bentley says, they believe it, <laughs> right? And so you must actually work on yourself. The more you work on yourself, the less you're going to be dribbled by seeing people have things that you might want, right? There are many things that I want, but I'm, I'm okay. Like, I don't care if somebody has my dream body or my dream house. I'm still going to ask questions when they tell me things because what they're telling me has nothing to do with their house and their car. And it's very simple for people to have what they have and have careers that aren't making the money <laughs> that actually fund what they have. You can get funding for your life in different ways and have a career and a business that aren't functioning the way the funding makes it look like it's functioning. So just be careful, guys. Work on yourself so that you're not a victim to people who play on your insecurities to get you to buy things from them and to get you to trust them. I think we said a lot about whew, Dr. Nandipa and Tabobesta. So we're going to go into the next... Actually, we don't have to go into the next segment because we've already done some marketing lessons within that type of Besta conversation, right? So yeah, we have. we have. We have. I don't think we have to go further into that. But maybe before we go into motivation, I'll ask the crew if they've got anything else they want to bring up, not necessarily relating to this, but just anything that's on our minds today about anything. <laughs> I think for me, right, I mean... <clears throat> We've seen like a lot of our faves on social media and on the on the news, you know, having this nice business ventures. Suddenly, someone is starting an establishment. But when you read through it, or when you like read further and find out more information, you find out that actually, this person is just a face. Mm -hmm. They don't really own this business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we've I seen you know a couple of stories online, and then to the next. Or maybe like someone who's actually following this person, they're motivated about the story. Like, you know, you started from this, now you are this person. Bottom, now we're here. You know, you Ooh, worked so hard. That love that. <laughs> Young water, you guys bore me because that's, that's your thing. Yeah. And like, deal. Yeah. And then you find out that, okay, Level Lion doesn't own the Level Lion show. Yes. You know, she's just the face. Mm -hmm. So, how do we, like, 
how do we improve on that? And you know, for for people to own their stuff and not being imposters. So Jackie asked a really great question. He was saying, you know, we have this pandemic <laughs> of, <laughs> of famous people and influencers uh, coming across like their own brands and things that they don't actually own, where it turns out that they're just the face of that thing, right? And he's asking, how do we fix this? How do we improve in it? What is it? Um, okay, so this is not a new phenomenon. All over the world, celebrities, because they've got influence, will be the faces of things. They'll be the faces of products and services and brands. That's not a new thing. We do that because it's growth and credibility by association, right? That's what the brand is leveraging on. And many of you should, if you have small businesses and you're watching this podcast, even if you have personal brands, even in the company you work in, try to chill with the CEOs. Try to chill with your leaders. It will make your peers admire you. And if you ever want to go for a leadership position, they're going to say, oh, but this one, this one is better than us because they're chilling with our leaders. So they must have intel and knowledge that we don't have. So use association as a tool to grow your personal brand or your business brand. It really does work. Drip and Batu have done it. Everybody's, many people have done it. Um, but I guess the question here becomes, is it the responsibility of the influencers and the celebrities to be transparent about whether they own the thing or if they're just the face? And I think absolutely yes. The Competition Commission should have this in its laws if it doesn't already. Like, it would make no sense that you would deceive the public by saying that you own something that you don't own. But also there's a lot of technicalities. Like, if I own 5%, I own 5%. I'm not lying to you if I own 5% and then I've got another deal that also makes me the face of the thing. I'm not lying to you, right? So I think what's what's dribbling a lot of us here is also the extent of ownership. Because if you're only owning 5% of a company, you don't really own it, right? It's the other people who are really owning and really gaining. And if your followers were to know who the real stakeholders are, would they actually be as interested in the brand as they are because you say you own it? You know, contrary to popular belief, South Africans are very patriotic and we love to support our own celebrities. We love to support our own influencers. It's cool when they're ripping a brand, but we feel much more, uh, we feel more connected to them and we feel more of a responsibility when we think they own something. So if Casper says he owns something we want to support because we're like, yo, one of our own and he's already succeeding, how ah, we want to support him. So are celebrities playing into the fact that people actually have good hearts and they want to support? And so they kind of uh, embellish the truth so that we can give them that support that we wouldn't give them if we knew that they're just the face or if we knew that they only own a very small portion of that thing. Personally, I believe that we cannot have a vibrant and thriving African economy owned by all Africans if only a few of us are the true owners and then the rest of us are just the faces. I think we need more ownership. An economy is defined by who owns it. It's not defined by who is the face of it. Right. And the South African economy is not owned by people who look like me and you. If you're watching and you know what I'm talking about. So if you want our economy to be owned by more of us, then we need to actually own things. Owners make pretend. decisions, not faces. Mm. And I think that's the crux of it. Um, related, not exactly the same, but mm -hmm. I think it's related. Last year, I attended a presentation that TikTok for business was doing. Ah, and they, I was there with you. <coughs> yeah? Wait, the same thing, I think. I think so. Yeah. And they brought out a, a, a piece of data which I think is very illuminating about, you know, where we are and why some people might choose to do uh, what Jacob is, is hinting at. Because apparently one of the reasons why TikTok has done well and why a lot of brands are getting traction is because um, they had observed that young people, you know, the generation that's the particularly Generation Z, they do not want to be sold things. Yes. Right. So in you talking, right, you can have, let's say, in the we've, I can see it from here, but there's a, there's some Vaseline, you know, that's behind you there. My fave, right? My best friend. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can just have that there in marketing as product placement. Mm -hmm. Our uh, the generation Z would rather just see something and go buy because yeah. they saw it in a video, as opposed to being told, "Hi guys, go and buy this." Yes. So. It was an interesting insight to say that 
um, the generation that's there, they don't mind being sold things. Just don't tell them that this mm. is an ad because yeah. they skip through ads. They, you know, if you declare that this is an ad or if you declare that I'm marketing something. It lowers something, engagement. Lowers engagement. Mm. They don't really care. If you happen to slip it into, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, marketing without marketing, yeah, um, then you've done well. And the Kardashians have been really great at that because literally whilst they're living their lives, they can, oh, look. You know, I'm enjoying this. Make you know, it just seems as if it's uh, what you call this. It's part of their routine. It's just part of their routine, and just telling you, you know, this is just how I'm going about the the, the natural, you know, look and feel, and that unpolishedness mm-hmm. is probably one of the reasons why TikTok has done well, because the generation doesn't want. I guess that's why you've mentioned it. How people were, you got some uh, what you call this, some backlash because people felt like. You're being too polished and yeah. and I guess that's a hint to, you know, yeah. all of these things. And I guess, you know, looping back to this point is to say maybe a lot of people that are that are ripping these brands, you know, think that you're gonna do better appearing as if you are the owner or you know that yes. you're hundred percent for this because yeah. if you tell people I'm just the face, ah, it's fine. Oh, yes. right, yeah. And it, it's a positioning strategy. Mm. To position yourself as the owner of something you're not an owner of is a positioning strategy, but it's also a lie, right? So don't lie to us, please. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, that's us saying there's so many technicalities because if he's a 5% owner or she's a 5% owner, they own it. So they're not lying when they say, I am the owner. Um, they're not saying I'm the owner with other people, but they don't have to tell us. They, they're not obligated to. Legally, they're really not, right? Uh, they're just sharing their part of the story, and their part of the story is that I am an owner. And I, and I think where I have a big issue with that is, like the whole Bonang situation, where I'm an owner, I'm an owner. Next thing, they're not paying me. Guys, come, let's go after them. You know, it's like, why are you using the public when things don't go well for you? But when they go well for you, you're superior to us. You are better than us. You are this amazing owner of things, right? Um, I think there needs to be more balance. And that's, that's what I was saying in the competition commission and all these things. There needs to be real laws that are created about the new world we're living in, which is all about influence and celebrity. Because I don't think there are enough uh, measures there that kind of dictate how we can sell, how we can talk to audiences. We know that people are easily influenced. I know, I mean, something so basic. I had a bottle, a can of this drink that I love. I call it a rich auntie drink. It's a non-alcoholic fizzy drink. Uh, And I always have it when I do my IG lives. I get so many DMs of women saying, oh, I just bought my six pack this week of this thing. I know the power of that. And I did it on purpose because I was testing to see if this auto-suggestion thing works. And the auto-suggestion thing is, if I just place something, use it. Do people actually, are they aware of what I'm doing? And then what do they think of the action and what are the actions they take because of what I'm doing? And a lot of the time people buy. So the more people buy, the more you realize how many people in your community want to be like you or want to be you. So we have, we're living in this age where it feels like the person you love and admire is so accessible to you that all you have to do is buy the products that they use to become like them. And that's why this whole watching someone use the makeup makes you want to buy the makeup oh you see the house they live in you want to go live in that kind of suburb see the the car they drive the t-shirt they wear whatever then you also want a portion of that because as a community member you want to feel closer to that person you want to feel like you can be more like them so you want to buy the things they have because you think you can you can buy yourself into becoming but you can't and that's why there's so much psychology backed in the practice of marketing because it really is about human psyche. It's about how people feel. How are they feeling when they're buying? If somebody is very sad and you're selling them something like makeup, you can sell them a lot of makeup that day. I'm telling you now because if they're sad, they probably don't see themselves in a good light. So they're probably thinking they're looking ugly that day. You know, and if you're a good salesperson and marketer, you leverage on that thing. You go, ah, you're having a bad day. I know you, I can see it on your face, but you know what? I've got this foundation (laughs) and it's going to cover this thing. Look at how amazing you look. Look, this thing is gone now. Why are you having a bad day? You should be having a good, look at, you know, and this is just the basic thing that I'm showing you, but that's, it's really, so the more people are sad, depressed, uneducated, the easier it is to sell them things because they are lacking and it's obvious to them and it's obvious to people watching. So that's why I'm saying 
it's very dangerous a lot of us who are in sales and marketing we know this thing the reason why people will tell you they walk their journey they tell you they, they swap stories i hate it so much but they'll tell you they swap stories and yes there is value in us knowing your background but when you use it too much you're using it because you know people um, relate to it in a way that honestly we shouldn't be chiming into that narrative too much but we do if i want to sell you guys anything for real for real and i talk about poverty i know people will buy it and that's a problem we don't talk about how a lot of companies in south africa leverage off of that poverty mindset thing that south africans have to sell things so that's why we have those jovicho a real guy and then we have people with funny accents on um, radio and television who don't even sound like the guys from the hood, <laughs> you know? And they're speaking in a scripted way that doesn't even sound like the guy from the township. But it's just the, uh, the suggestion that this could be someone from the township that makes people go, and he could be poor, that makes people go, oh, this is a real brand. No, it's not a real brand. They are a company. They're using what they think you care about to sell you something. You know, is it good or bad? I don't know. That's just the psychology of it. Does representation matter? Yes, we must show different tribes, different people, how they live. But how we show them dictates whether we're just using that to sell or if we're using that because we believe that they deserve a voice in the cultural landscape. And so all of those things are very complicated. And that's why I say marketers should be the ones talking about culture because this is culture. You guys aren't aware that somebody telling you they're an owner is them just going, ah, these black people they like it when they see us owning we're going to talk about us being owners or they love that we talk about poverty because they see themselves but it's like how about we give people the tools that take them out of poverty so they stop seeing them in something that as black people we inherited we are not poverty <laughs> this is my view we inherited poverty we are not poverty for as long as we think all our marketing has to be re rooted in talking about poverty, maintaining poverty, amplifying poverty, all we are saying is generationally, historically, in the history books, we are saying this is what blackness is, poverty. But do you also not think there's uh, agency on the side of audiences? There's agency on the side of audiences, right? The difference is that depending on the demographic of the audience, demographic meaning what are they earning, where are they living, how educated are they, their ability to tap into their agency minimizes. So the richer I am, the more I can tap into my agency. The poorer I am, the less likely I am to. Not because I don't have the capacity, but because the poorer you are, the more you rely on community for you to survive. And if you're going to rely on community, you're about assimilation. Because if you don't assimilate with the community, you get cast out of the community. But for people to assimilate with one another, they usually have to assimilate on very low level ideas. Because those are the easiest to communicate to others. They're the easiest to do. <laughs> and therefore, they'll be the bedrock of that community. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a heavy psychological situation there. I'm not saying poverty. I'm not trying to 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 minimize any kind of situation that a person would be going through that is related to poverty but what i am saying is where now when you look at yourself in the mirror as a black person no matter where you're coming from you must be able to look at yourself and when you think about greatness you must be able to see yourself right and you must be able to I, for me 20 years from now I don't want the average black child to look at a black story and the, it's the same rising from poverty, <laughs> you know, because then that means our society didn't grow. I want them to see different things like, oh, I rose from private school, I was a millionaire, and then I became a billionaire. You know, let's do levels. It mustn't always be from zero to millionaire. You know, it, like for me, that makes no sense. Let's diversify the conversation about blackness. What does it look like to exist as a black person? What does success look like for us? Why is it important for us to not have the poverty that we have? Why is it important for us to say we inherited poverty? It is not blackness. The wealth is not whiteness. <laughs> it's all just there's wealth and then there's race and they're not the same thing. And it's sad because we come from a, a, a pre, you know, apartheid and all those things. We think that money means white, poverty means black, inefficient means black, corruption means black, white means uh, progress, intelligence. They don't do crime. White people do crime all the time. G4S is not owned by black people. <laughs> 
hence the word empowered people. <laughs> I like I like for me just to comment when you said that yeah. wealth is not whiteness, right? Yeah. I think it also then because where where we come from within we have this this terms like ngamla because yes. we see like when a black person has money we're thinking yeah kingamla ngamla means white a white person yeah. Yeah. so i think yeah it's just a comment on that to say actually white to, sorry wealth is not whiteness you know it's funny because i, I, I yeah, yeah. also we're calling our society calls out there's a movement against privilege yes there's a movement against privilege and it's because people don't believe they'll ever become privileged so they hate that thing because they're like, I want it so bad, but I don't think I'll ever get it. And therefore, I'm going to hate it. But you're like, if you're hating the few privileged black people they might be in society, what you're saying is, I don't even want to create an environment where my child could ever aspire to that. Because if you're going to take away the labels of the world, then you're, you're, you're taking away anything they're building. If you don't support them, if we're not getting brands to, to, to invest in their podcasts and everything that they do because they're not black enough, then your child, who you're breaking your back for, who you're, who you're working double shifts for to take them to good schools, when they come out speaking English like label, people are going to reject them as well. So rejecting me is not a big deal. I know how to move through the space. But you're also rejecting all the other kids and people like us who are going to come up into spaces. Because you've said to brands, we're not going to support these people. They're not like us. And that is the problem. So we're not even creating space commercially for a different kind of black uh, narrative, different kinds of black narratives. I've, I'm, I've had brands who said to me, we want to work with you, but can you have an accent? I'm like, what? <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. A black, a black accent. And they've asked me, no, 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 but, oh, can you speak like this person? I'm like, I don't speak like that. <laughs> I'm never going to speak like that. I'm not going to pretend to people to speak like that. No. You know, even things like people saying, don't say you went to private schools. Why not? There are black people in private schools. Let's demystify that. There are black people in private schools. There are white people in government schools. Guys, <laughs> the world is not so black and white, for real. Like, it's more diverse than you think, but we need to actually open up conversations for that so that it can it can be real. Now, okay, from the hood I'm from, right? Cape yeah. Town, Gualanga, yeah. right? So there was this uh, tavern kind of place where people used to chill, like, all the time. It used to be, like, the place. And then this guy closed for, like, a month or two to renovate the place make it look nicer you know it was cement on the floor and whatever now he just put and made it like dope and people just never came yeah so do black people really want to because it, it it probably the place was intimidating to the market mm -hmm. so is it maybe like do do they really want to you know change or you see and that's the thing right because i'm not a basher of black people or a villainizer of white people. I've had bad and good experiences with all races. So for me, when I speak, it's really from a conceptual space of what really is happening in the economy and in the market. That's all it is, right? Um, and I've also worked in companies where similar things have happened, like you spoke about, where they tried to make something look nice in an area that maybe was previously disadvantaged. Then people stopped coming, right? And I've asked those people, why don't you walk in? Why don't you come? We're actually here for you. They'll be like, no, we didn't think it was for us. It looks too nice, you know? And that always breaks my heart because I'm like, yo, the, the, the effects and the remnants of apartheid are heavy in our country. And the reason why I'm saying that is because anyone who knows the core of apartheid knows that it was a mental thing. It was all about controlling how we think and see ourselves. All of us, white, black, Indian, everybody. Right. So all of these limiting beliefs we might have about success, about um, entitlement to privilege, all of those things, they come from the heavy work that the apartheid government did and colonization did to us as black people. We've got a whole lot to work on, even as white people in Indian, we've got a whole lot to, to work on in terms of our mindset so that we can see the world a little bit differently. So when people think they're not, they, they don't belong in a space, they genuinely believe that. Right. And it's also because of the education they've had. The fact that in the townships that they're in, everyone is saying, but you don't matter. So people who don't matter don't belong in nice spaces. Do you get what I'm saying? Uh, trying to make the hood look beautiful isn't going to work until people in the hood want it to look beautiful because they believe they deserve better. 
Um, so it's all about like that mental slavery, to be quite honest. The more we educate our people, the more we are transparent, the more our laws protect us from certain kinds of advertising and marketing, the more empowered we are as a nation to actually require more and have a better country, better experiences, higher quality experiences. You know, it's just, it's, there's a lot to it. It's not just one thing. There are many, 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 many things to it, you know. And I just urge anybody who's watching to be conscious of how they think. Because the, the revolution is too big. Like, there's too much to fix <laughs> for, for a handful of us to make the change. And it might not even happen in your lifetime. So if you really want the life that you want now... Be aware of your thoughts. Even for me, like I was saying to you guys during this podcast, it's a mental battle for me because I really just the process of creating the podcast with the teams. It's a lot for me and it makes me not want to do it at all. Right. It's a mental battle. But every day I'm aware of my thoughts. Why do I think this about this? I want to change how I'm thinking about it. Because at every point in my life, there are people who reinforce the negative things. Every time. If I'm going to have a negative thought, I can tell you 50 people who will tell me, yes, you're right, label. But there are two who say, actually you're wrong and that's what i choose to listen to and it's the same there are black people all of us there are spaces we're all not welcome and i just came from cape town and i had a, a small little argument with somebody at a, a restaurant they own because i came i sat for 10 minutes nobody helped me and i said to them you will not do that to me i don't know what do you think or which country you think you live in but this is south africa we are diverse we love all people you know and they apologized to me because i made quite as like a, a ruckus about it you know and they apologized to me i got my meal for free i really fought for myself in that space but Every other black person who was in the room looked at me like I was crazy, like I shouldn't be doing that, you know. So there wasn't any reinforcement about label, keep going. But I did it anyway. So, yeah, I, I think that's how I see the things. I actually want to make a comment that actually, you know, uh, going back to the uh, transparency thing, I get it, no way, the country, no way, has banned... Um, Influencers using photos. Exactly. And then Nigeria cancelled all foreign actors on their ads. You see? Really? Yeah. Yes. Really? Like when you go to yeah. when you go oh, to Ghana and Nigeria, you will almost not see a poster with a white person. Mm. You but, won't. But the one thing I will say about the Nigerian, what is interesting on this point of accents in, in particular, go and listen to Burner Boy, Davido. One day, Cole isn't as popular as he was back in the day, but go listen to them talking. Yeah. When a boy grew up in the UK, he's got a British accent. Davido grew up in the, in the US, he's got an American accent. Uh, one day, Cole, European accent. I remember there was this one One day, Cole song. He starts singing it like a normal R&B song from the US. Then he, then he switches up to... <laughs> I, so it's like they understand the dynamic for us to pop in this market we have to go back and assume mm -hmm. that pigeon accent is the know, way it's, it's it's the way so very progressive but also they have their own you know? <laughs> they do they do they do yeah that was a big conversation i didn't actually expect it to go that way Maybe I will train for being what a privileged what what uh, whatever apologist. I don't know. There are many things uh, that people like to to say when they're upset about having to think. But for real, people get very angry when they have to think and somebody says something that requires them to go out of their comfort zone. But I think our conversation today was really about, you know, reimagine what you believe. Africanness looks like. Reimagine what you think success is because it really looks like you. It looks like you. If you're a black person watching this thing and you come from an environment that doesn't scream success, hope, anything, you have to realize that success looks like you. The world only looks like what you allow it to look like, right? Even for me, I, everything that I think and I see, I see it in the world somehow i'm that delusional i'm like i see the line here i see the world that i want to see everything i look at looks like what i want to see right so it's not just a, a principle we give to people who come from places that don't look like success even for me who grew up in the suburbs i still had to imagine a world that i wanted to see in order to get to where i am and to go to where i'm going so that's my motivation for today success looks like you 
You have to reimagine the world that you live in so that it can become the thing that you want it to be for someone like you to thrive. It's all in your hands. That's not just me being motivational. It's the truth. So many of us have done it. You can too. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe at labelline underscore SA at the Label Lion Show. And don't forget to comment. I want to know what you guys think. Let's be kind. Let's be nice, please. Otherwise, I'll have to like be block and mute some people there because it's not cool now. Um, and please, when we speak about race, because I know it's going to be a racial conversation now, let's not be funny and racial towards each other. Black people are this, white people are this. No, no. Let's talk about it like mature human beings because we all are ambassadors for this country of ours. White, black, Indian, whatever you might be. We are all suffering stage eight load shedding. We are all suffering the terrible impacts of Tabo Besta and Dr. Nandipa and everything else. So we all have as much to lose and as much to gain. Let's talk with each other with kindness, to each other with kindness in the comment section. Until next time, keep well. Um, understand that the world is whatever you make it and live with that power. Toodles. Label line with the podcast, teach you listen cause I got class. Label line with the impact, you be lying that's a real fact.